What's up, everybody? It's Jordan, and welcome to the Sports to High Show. Today is September 28th, 2021, and on today's episode, I have a new guest joining me. I have Kenny, the sports guy. How are you doing today, Kenny? How you doing, man? Thank you for being letting me be on the show. You know, really glad uh, you can join the show today. We have a lot to talk about. You know, you're a big New York uh, Jets fan. Mm-hmm. You're a big wrestling fan, which is very, very beneficial because it's kind of hard to find wrestling fans nowadays, it seems like. Uh, but before we kind of you know start talking about you know topics and different things like that, can you kind of tell some of the listeners a little about uh, your podcast and everything? Sure. This is Kenny the Kenny Sports Guy, and I have a podcast called Kenny the Sports Guy Podcast. You can catch me on my website www.kennysportsguy.com. Ken with two wins. I cover MLB, NBA, AEW, WWE, and the NFL. And I've been doing it for, what was it, a year and a half now. And I have enjoyed it throughout this whole entire time. And if you want to catch some of my episodes, catch me on F- uh, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Kenny, the sports guy. Now, I'll, I'll definitely put that in the description below. And mm-hmm. uh, that's really cool. And it's kind of similar to when I started as well. We kind of talked about before the show and everything. Yeah. And like I mentioned, you're a uh, you're a big wrestling fan. And last week was probably uh, you can make a case maybe the one of the top ones or maybe the top ever episode mm-hmm. of you know AW Dynamite. It was AW AW Dynamite Grand Slam. Yeah, uh, Brian Danielson against Kenny Omega, and they also had you know CM Punk's first match and Jericho, some other matches that were on uh, Rampage as well. And you were actually able to go to that, which is. Really, really, really cool. Can you kind of talk about you know what that was like going there and your experience uh, going to AW Dynamite Grand Slam and everything like that? Sure. Well, I can tell you it's a lot different than WWE. It just feels like when I enter off the Ash Stadium, it just kind of dawned on me that this is not a WWE event. It was more of a AEW event where there was so much positivity in the air. The atmosphere was just amazing. Um... What can I say, man? If I have to choose between a WWE event or a AEW event, I will have to go to AEW because the the atmosphere of it, um, the match card was entirely crazy. I mean, the fans are there are just oh man, it's better than WWE actually. <laughs> but let's talk about the card. The card, oh man, it just feels like you know. They put out a pay-per-view card on free television, which is unheard of in today's society. And the Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan match was just, oh, man. That was just stuff of legends. And I that was probably the best match I have ever saw because every aspect of that match was just beautifully choreographed like Daniel Bryan's first match was he had he has a loss of beat since the WrestleMania the last WrestleMania he wrestled at um Kenny Omega is like a god in professional wrestling and I actually do believe that um I just feel like you know that that event might have been the best event I have ever been to since I think the last WrestleMania and MJF, I know MJF got booed heavily during that uh, time. Uh, yeah, it was just an amazing, amazing event. And I'm really hoping that it come back to New York City pretty soon. Yeah, no, I was able to go to an AEW event a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was the fourth, fifth um, episode of Dynamite, one of the very first ones. Um yeah, like like you said, it is just a different atmosphere going to an AW event into a WWE event. Like it is, it, it's hard to describe, but it's just so completely different. I feel like, you know, WWE. I think you go there and it's kind of like you you expect maybe a good match, maybe two, but that honestly might be kind of pushing it. But you know, you know, going there, it's going to be more of the entertaining aspect. Correct. And then AW. I know it's still kind of weird, but it, it's it's kind of like going to a football game. The way mm-hmm. the, how hype it is, you know, just going there and stuff. The possibilities, you know, how great it can be with the great matches. 
uh, there was a one, um, it was Omega and the Young Bucks against um, Hyper 2 and Kip Sabian, I think, some, uh, something like that. Yeah. That match, you know, you expect it to be decent, but that was definitely the best match I've ever seen, you know, in person. Um, I think the, the main event of that was, I think they actually crowned the first AW tag team titles that night with SCU defeating the Lucha Brothers. Mm-hmm. That match was really good. That and was a good match, by the way. Uh, yeah, it was it was really, really good. And you, you look at, you know, AW, it's just like I feel like they – it's it's kind of hard at times talking about AW and not bashing WWE because WWE the past two weeks has been improving on Raw, it seems like. Mm-hmm. But with AW, it's like they understand the fans and, like, going there, it's like you get a full experience. Like, when I went there, you know, obviously the, we're not probably having it now because with the coronavirus, you know, it's still happening and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, you had the chance to – I'm trying to – it was Private Party, Britt Baker, and the Young Bucks. If you paid like $50 uh, to meet uh, – you can meet one of them. I mean, with uh, WWE, it's like 150 to meet like two people. Like there's so much stuff with like going to an AEW event that is just so much different and so much compelling and interesting. And it's just much more you know fun going to an AEW event opposed to going to a uh, WWE event, uh, event to me. It's funny that you mentioned meet and greets because um, they had a meet and greet before the event. It was, uh, I think, the Lucha Brothers, uh, Rudy Soho, uh, Adam Cole, and I forgot the other person, but Adam Cole was $75 to meet him, and Rudy Soho was $50. And I I don't mind shelling out $75 for meeting Adam Cole because he's a star, and I feel like he's going to be big in AEW. And in the in, in the contrast to WWE, you have to pay one hundred fifty dollars just to meet, meet Charlotte Flair. And I feel like, why can I? Why would I pay one hundred fifty dollars? I could just meet her off the street for free. <laughs> you know. Exactly. You know, I've, I've I've even had that kind of situation happen before going to a um, WWE event. You know, I've met. Uh, you know, looking at the WWE, you know, wrestlers, I would say that Natalia and Ziggler are some of the more nicer, you know, wrestlers in the WWE. I've been having a chance to meet both of them. And it's like before events, it's like you meet them heading into the arena. Mm-hmm. It costs nothing. You meet them in the arena. It costs you 150 bucks. It's, it's yeah. crazy. And I, I don't get why anybody would do it. And even like, uh, I think it was last year, you know, with SummerSlam, they had a meet and greet with some wrestlers who weren't even that big. And it was two hundred dollars. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's it makes absolutely no sense at all to me. And also, like, uh, you know, we couldn't meet them in person due to the coronavirus pandemic, but they will have these virtual meet and greets where you spend two minutes with them and they charge you one hundred fifty dollars, which is absolutely ridiculous. You know. Yeah, I, I just don't get that, and I felt like you know, I, I really, really hope. AW comes back here because that was definitely, you know, I, I was I went to a uh, episode of Raw several years ago mm-hmm. um, when they still had Jericho and Owens, and it was the episode where they lifted Jericho up into like a Shark Tank. It was like one of the Christmas episodes or something oh, like that, and um, and that one was really fun. But the AW one, it, it just seemed special and it, much more. It, it was like more entertaining, but mm-hmm. in the fact like entertainment as in not some you know stupid funny you know storyline entertaining is like such a great match you're watching type of deal something you know you don't really see when you go to a like wwe event i've been to several house shows and there's maybe when one you know with decent pretty good match aside from that it's just like the entertaining aspect but not really in a good way going to a wwe event well here's the thing when i went to dynamite uh last week I noticed like there was no promos at all, none. It was just only one or two short promos, like 15 seconds. Like for example, there was a segment that didn't air on TV, where Taz was uh you talking about CM Punk and the upcoming match with Powerhouse Hobbs and CM Punk, and that 15 seconds basically got the point across. And I feel like with WWE, you need like a 15 minute promo. Just to get just to promote a storyline, all you need is like uh, thirty to to a minute. And you know, the, you make a great point because it's every single episode of Raw, every single episode for SmackDown for the most point, 
mm-hmm. SmackDown's two hours, you know, Raw's three hours, but the first yeah. 15 to 20 minutes, it's not, it's just crappy promos that are so mm-hmm. scripted. And, you know, when I went to Raw, it, it was entertaining because it was Jericho and Owens, and they at the time, I mean, they were the best thing in the WWE, hands down. But, you know, the first 20 minutes was, you know, them talking. You know, I don't mind Jericho and Owens talking. I, I like Owens quite a bit. Jericho is one of my, you know, favorites. But mm-hmm. if it was anybody else talking for 20 minutes, I mean, it would just be horrible. And it goes to show, like, they aren't changing it. And like I said earlier, AW is kind of like knows what the fans want. They don't want to hear these 20-minute promos. They want to exactly. see a 20-minute match with, like, Omega and uh, Brian Danielson instead. So before the, the week before uh, AEW Dynamite, I actually went to SmackDown at Madison Square Garden, and believe it or not, there were a lot of empty seats. Like for a sold-out event, there were a lot of empty seats. I don't know; if it was in part due to the uh, New York City vaccination requirements of indoor events, but it was pretty shocking to see like the garden almost empty. You know, and during that SmackDown, there was only like three matches, and the rest were like promos. And to be honest, I got a little bit bored of it. Uh, what well, was that? The um, uh, the um episode of SmackDown. It was kind of like the nine eleven type yeah. themed episode. The day before 9-11. Yeah, I saw the crowd of that. I mean, the crowd was absolutely you know crazy. They were super yeah, super was. loud. But it, I mean, like you just said, I mean, there was empty seats, and it, it's weird because it's like you you see Raw and it'll, it'll be a loud crowd, but you you know the camera pans to the crowd. The majority of the crowd on one side, you look at the other side, half the seats are just empty. And it's crazy because even though WWE has not been good for years, they've been improving recently, but like they are the top wrestling promotion. I I, I prefer AW, but it's right now it's not close as an you know, overall like worldwide, you know, recognition. WWE is always going to be on top, and it's crazy course, that you know, despite you know, the better overall, you know, with Cena returning, Lesnar, Goldberg, you know, Reigns has been the top of WWE for over a year. You're still getting maybe a fourth of the seats in your arena empty. And it's just crazy that not even necessarily, you know, WWE, I feel like the, just the overall aspect of pro wrestling is slowly dying. I feel like 20 years ago, the ratings were, you know, Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, would be doubled right now, if not tripled. And I mean, you look at the ratings from 20 years ago; it was uh, through the roof. But now, wrestling has just not been, uh, you know, what it was uh, 20, 25 years ago. So people aren't really watching, it, and you're going to see these viewerships, regardless how good it is, uh, slowly uh, decrease as the years go by. Yeah, I agree. Um, when I went to SmackDown, it just felt like a whole different animal. I mean. I felt like going from a, a pig to AEW with a lion. I, I mean, I feel like when I was in the AEW, there was only one section of the arena where it was uh, walled off due to, like, obstructive views, and every seat was just filled. So AEW said uh, only 20,000 people show up there, and I can imagine why, because... This is like the first time they actually debuted during, you know, NYC, and it was just an amazing experience. And I really do enjoy it, and I hope they come back to New York City pretty soon. Yeah, if they go back to New York, you know, obviously, if if they do, it'll probably be a stacked show comparable to what it was, you know, with Dynamite Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, you know, there was lots of rumors last week, you know, with him maybe showing up to AW. There's lots of rumors this week. But it's very interesting because, um, you know, um, I don't really follow WWE a ton. I kind of know what's going on, but I did not watch uh, the pay-per-view on Sunday. But I know the ending was very odd. And kind of there's rumors that, you know, The Fiend, which is why it might return to WWE. Uh, but, you know, there's tons of rumors of him possibly going to AEW. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Bray uh, Wyatt possibly returning to WWE or signing with AEW? Ooh, that's really a tough one to say because for the last two days he posted on his Instagram, I mean, uh, his Twitter account, uh, a photo of him in a match with Daniel Bryan and the Usos along with the late and great Brody Lee and Rowan. And that kind of caught everybody off guard because 
they don't know if he's going to go back to WWE or he's going to sign with AEW. In my personal opinion, I feel like he's going to sign with AEW because that's actually the perfect place for him to flourish. And AEW tomorrow is actually taking place at in Rochester, New York, home of Brody Lee. And I can't think of another way to honor the memory of Brody Lee than Bray Wyatt, uh, you know, coming to AEW. My only concern is I just hope that he doesn't get buried in a card because there's, there is a lot of wrestlers that's vying for the top spot in AEW. And AEW can do only do so much with, uh, with the wrestlers. And I just hope he doesn't get buried. And it's interesting to me. I feel like this is this is much, much more intriguing compared to Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, Moxley, Jericho, all those guys. Because you look at Bray Wyatt, he is hands down one of the worst in ring performers, in my opinion. And like, and when during his time, I, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's I, plenty of that. I think he's, you know, out of those guys I mentioned, you know, I, I would not including Jericho because, you know, he's, it seems like he's getting worse each week in the ring. But, you know, why is not one of those guys who kind of fits the AW mold and the fact, you know, great wrestling and stuff like that, great matches. We haven't really seen that often from Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. And he, the way Bray Wyatt is, he's much more in that WWE category in the entertaining aspect, like I mentioned. Bray Wyatt's not going to wow you with his matches, but with his, you know, charisma and his character, The Fiend, you know, for the past year or so, uh, I I haven't watched WWE much, but the only things I've really watched, you know, were, you know, The Fiend promos, because, you know, it's just very interesting with him and Alexa Bliss, and much more intriguing uh, than any other character, in my opinion, uh, on Raw in the past year or so, and it's interesting because, I mean, the characters and the potential he has is really unlimited, but WWE just really failed with Bray Wyatt. It really, really shocked me. Uh, once they ended up releasing him, but it's very interesting because the ending with Extreme Rules was just odd. Maybe, yeah, it was. and maybe I mean they at the potential, uh, you know, the Fiend could return. But also another thing, I don't get why WWE is continuing this. Like just stupid character with Alexa Bliss. I heard there was a rumor that Alexa Bliss is going to take time off WWE, and part of me feels like, despite even though Bray Wyatt is released, but Alexa Bliss is still in this character, kind of similar to what she was with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're keeping. Maybe that's a they're doing it for a certain reason, and they're going to have when she comes back. Maybe the Fiend come back. But you you made a great point about. You know, the, you know, where AEW is going to be tomorrow on Dynamite is Rochester, you know, where Brody Lee was from. That you, great point there. I, I feel like if Bray Wyatt uh, would go to AEW, it will be tomorrow. If he doesn't go to AEW tomorrow, then all of a sudden I think there's a decent, strong possibility he might end up si- uh, re signing with uh, WWE. I mean, I agree. And to backtrack with uh, Alexa Bliss. She's actually getting married. Uh, I think uh, that's the reason why she's taking time off for the wedding and stuff like that. But I feel like if he if he does return to WWE, I think it will be with Alexa Bliss because that ending to the, her the her Charlotte Flair match was just I wouldn't say bad, but it was just dragged on a lot. Like it dragged on. That's why I feel. You know, I, I didn't see the, I didn't see that match. But you know, going even going back to WrestleMania, like the uh, Fiend against Orton and uh, Randy Orton, and then you know Alexa Bliss, you know, kind of costing him the match. That that just, that was kind of like just a downfall. You had so much potential of this Alexa Bliss and the Fiend uh, pairing, and obviously it seems like the Randy Orton feud kind of lasted maybe longer than it should have, and you know people were starting to get stale. Of the fiend, even though he's one of the most most intriguing characters in the WWE, but it's like I, I just don't understand how you do not have a a great storyline. I don't get how you can't, you know, keep the same character of Bray Wyatt because the fiend was much more intriguing than any other Bray Wyatt they've had, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And with with Alexa Bliss, I, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because when she comes back, if she's still in that character and Bray Wyatt has yet to appear. 
I think it's almost a guarantee that you would see Bray Wyatt back in a WWE ring. But it's it's interesting because this is much, much different than any other uh, kind of free agent signing with AW and WWE we've seen in quite some time. So do you think uh, Alexa Bliss stole the gimmick from The Fiend? I, I don't know if she would steal it, but I feel uh, like she, did. I, I feel like she's purposely staying in that character for him to eventually return type of deal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Like like I said, I do not keep up with WWE a ton to you know tell you a ton about it, but I just feel like why would they continue to have this sucky character with Alexa Bliss if it's not going to lead to something bigger in the future, in my opinion? I mean, I, I, I was a fan of her character, but the Extreme Rules match just ruined it for me. And a lot of people want her to become the goddess back, her previous character, which I think it will happen. But I think to me, it's going to happen based on what Bray Wyatt does. I mean, if he goes to AEW, you know, he's, she's going to return back to the goddess. But if he, Bray Wyatt goes back to WWE, he's gonna, she's going to join Bray Wyatt again. Yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting. This is one of the more just unknown, really, you know, free agent signs we've seen in a while. You know, CM Punk, we kind of knew that before, weeks before he debuted. Adam Cole, you kind of had an idea, but it wasn't official. Brian Danielson, you knew weeks before. And, you know, John Moxley years ago, he kind of teased, you know, in his video that he was going to go to AEW. Bray Wyatt, you just don't really know. And, you know, we kind of mentioned with wrestling earlier, you know, it was in New York. And a, you know, very, very nice show. Also in New York, uh, not really great showing so far is the New York Jets, you know, your favorite team, and, you know, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. Uh, what are your thoughts on Zach Wilson's early struggles with the New York Jets? Well, first of all, he's still a rookie, number one, and we're only three games in into the season. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains with Zach Wilson. I mean, like I said, he's a rookie. Uh, I feel like he's drawing the ball really well, but I just it just feels like he's not going to be a bust, but a lot of people will say he's a bust because the based on the way he's playing right now. But I feel like he's going to be well. He's going to do well. He's just got to work out the kinks, uh, get him get in sync with receivers, and for the love of God, get him an offensive line. Because I feel like he's running for his life every time he gets handed the ball. Um, I feel like the wide receivers need to step up as well. And Zach Wilson needs to stop throwing to uh, uh, Dave Brown because that's his security blanket. And I feel like other people, other players need to step up. The defense um, for the Jets has been playing well. But it's just the offense. I mean, I love Robert Saleo. I think he's going to be a good coach, but unfortunately, like, there's going to be growing pains within the organization, and I feel like the Jets are going to do bad this season, but the future is bright. Zach Wilson, to me, I feel like this is what happens when you play in a New York media. It's three games. It was two games. It was one game, and people were already calling Zach Wilson a bust, which to me is laughable. It's so stupid. Zach Wilson, in my opinion, was my – he was my my quarterback number one in the draft. I liked him more than Trevor Lawrence. He was maybe maybe my favorite uh, player in the draft. If not, it was Kyle Pitts. But, you know, Wilson has so much potential. But when his offensive line is horrendous, you know, with Beckton getting hurt, it just made the offensive line worse. Exactly. The wide receivers aren't stepping up as they should. And you look at this, you know, Jets wide receiver core, it's not bad. I mean, you look at, you know, Corey, uh, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, you know, Denzel Mims. Those are some younger wide receivers who have potential to be a mm-hmm. big part of the Jets' future with Zach Wilson. I mean, you look at Wilson's, you know, in three games, he has two uh, touchdowns, seven picks. He has 628 passing yards. His completion percentage is uh, 55.2, which you look at the sacks. The sacks is 15 times. That's on. That's five a game, and with the 17 game schedule now, uh, that's on pace for 85 sacks in the season, uh, potentially killing the sack record uh, years ago, I believe, by the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is absolutely. I, you know, I, when the Jets, you know, picked Wilson and they picked the wide receivers, you know, in the all season, I thought the Jets were a team 
who weren't going to win a ton of games. I was kind of thinking in the, the four or five range, but I really felt like they were going to compete with some of these better teams. And I would not be surprised, you know, if they were capable of pulling off an upset, maybe against the Dolphins, or maybe even, you know, shocking a major upset against the Bills. Because I really feel like the Jets have potential to be a really nice team in the future. But to me, I'm, I'm starting to get nervous about Zach Wilson because this is reminding me a lot, you know, with my favorite team, the Bengals, last year and Burrow. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to see Wilson get hurt because, I mean, if he does – I mean, obviously, they're going to probably have a number one pick overall. I mean, they'll have to get some linemen then. But it's just like they they do not have as good as a roster as people think. Mm-hmm. The players that are good, that people don't think are good, are just not stepping up. And even in the interview the other day, uh, I don't remember the offense lineman's name, but he was kind of like calling out Wilson that he needs to throw the ball away, which to me, you know, I, I don't disagree with that at times. But you watch the film – I mean, he is running for his life every play, uh, 15 sacks in three games. But you go back and watch it. Look at how many pressures and how many nearly sacks he's had because he's one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL. He, he escapes at least mm-hmm. two or three different sacks a game. It, it's it's crazy to me. And I, I know he's not played good. I'm not going to even – I'm not going to say he hasn't. I'm not going to say he's played good because he hasn't. But he's had no talent around him to help him. But I, I was telling somebody the other day, I, I'm just – you know, I'm not even a Jets fan, but I'm getting sick and tired of the Zach Wilson hates. It, it, it's really aggravating, and it's really unnecessary. I mean, we're three games in. Exactly. Uh, I'm tired of hate. And, for example, you look, let's, let's take Peyton Manning for an example. Peyton Manning would not survive in today's NFL after his rookie season. I mean, he had over, around 30 picks his rookie year. I don't think he'd be a starting quarterback his second year. It seems like in today's NFL – if you don't have a great rookie year, you're out of the window. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, I'm not a fan of him, but he wasn't horrible last year. But same fan, some fans were already saying that they need to get a new quarterback. Same thing with, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts and, you know, some other players as well. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we saw Josh Rosen. And the following year, I mean, he wasn't even on the Arizona Cardinals roster. Yeah, he was it's crazy. You know, tra- uh, traded to the Miami Dolphins. And I, I just do not understand the hate because, honestly, out of all those quarterbacks I just mentioned, um, I think Zach Wilson easily has the most uh, – well, no, obviously not including Manning. But uh, obviously, you know, the quarterbacks I mentioned, I, f- I feel like Zach Wilson obviously, in my opinion, has the most potential out of those guys I just mentioned. He has – he's the most – one of the best quarterback uh, draft – one of the best draft quarterback prospects I've seen in a very, very, very long time. So what do you think about uh, Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> That's my next topic, and I'm getting <laughs> sick and tired – of the Zach Wilson hate, but no hate for Trevor Lawrence. Okay, Trevor Lawrence has 40 more uh, passing yards. And, you know, he has DJ Chark, which I think is a very underrated wide receiver. He has Marvin Jones. He has James Robinson. He can pass through in the backfield as well. And you look at it. If you look at their rosters when healthy, I'm going to take the Jets over the Jaguars. I agree. I mean, the Jets offensive line is the worst in the NFL, and it's not even – possibly debatable. The wide receivers are not stepping up. The Jets have a much better wide receiver core, but I would take the Jaguars right now because the Jets wide receiver core just isn't stepping up in my opinion. And you look at this, and like I said, he's thrown for about 40 more passing yards. Uh, He has five touchdowns, three more than Wilson, but they have same as interceptions, seven. He has a worse completion percentage with a much, 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 much better offensive line. 15 sacks in three games for Wilson, just five sacks in three games for Trevor Lawrence. And you look at, you know, Zach Wilson, the team he's played. He's played a 3-0 Carolina Panthers team, who, in my opinion, is not a joke. They are a serious playoff contender. They've played a 3-0 Denver Broncos team. Mm-hmm. Even though the Broncos, you know, they're 3-0, they have not really played good teams. And they've also played the Patriots, who are 1-2, maybe not as good as people thought. Uh, but you look at Bill Belichick. I mean, he's 22-6 and six against rookie head coaches. Like, Belichick is – it's very hard to beat Belichick when you're a rookie, uh, excuse me, a rookie quarterback. 22-6 and six going up against rookie quarterbacks. It's very difficult to beat Belichick when you're a rookie quarterback. And to me, you look at Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he threw three or four interceptions against the freaking Houston Texans defense. Yeah, that I mean, was bad. Exactly. That was bad. But, you know, he loses to the Houston Texans in week one when nobody expected the Texans to win. I, I picked heading into the year that the Texans had a legitimate chance to go in 0-17. 
I mean, the Lawrence throws multiple picks against Houston. Uh, Wilson struggles against Carolina, who is a playoff contender, but you hear about Wilson struggling, not Trevor Lawrence. This goes back to top market teams and small market teams. And it's very weird because, uh, you know, with the Jets, I mean, you could say you like dogs more than cats, but by the end of the day, people are going to criticize you for liking dogs more than cats if you New York team. With, you know, Jacksonville, Detroit, Cincinnati, these small market teams, unless you do something huge, nobody's going to, you know, start talking about you. And it makes me mad because, to me, I think Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence. I've said it for over half a year now. But Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be this golden boy. You know, he was this golden boy in college football. He's the best quarterback prospect of all time. Yep. You know, the BS narrative that he's better than Joe Burrow, the BS narrative that he's better than Justin Herbert as a quarterback prospect – which is funny because he wasn't even a better quarterback prospect than Zach Wilson this year. And it's funny. I mean, you're the New York Jets fan, you know, of that's talking, but I'm getting like fired up kind of defending Zach Wilson. I mean, I, I'm just, it makes me so mad when Lawrence is supposed to be this, you know, next mobile Peyton Manning when he's playing worse than Zach Wilson, the supposedly, you know, already bust. It makes absolutely no sense. I'm tired of all the Zach Wilson hate, put the Zach Wilson hate, and put it on Trevor Lawrence because we want to see how horrible Trevor Lawrence has been so far Thursday night when he throws at least uh, two picks against the Cincinnati Bengals defense on Thursday night football. Well, here's the thing. I feel like Zach Wilson is going to win. He's not going to win rookie of the year this year, obviously, but he's going to have a better career than Trevor Lawrence. I feel what the problem with Lawrence is, is the head coach down in Jacksonville. I think Urban Meyer – it's too raw for the NFL. I'm, I'm kind of worried about his uh, health issues because he has a history of, you know, having health issues. That's why he resigned from Ohio State. But I just feel like Lawrence has the tools necessary. I mean, you're right. I agree with you with the part that uh, Wilson has a better wide receivers, but I feel like the Jaguars have, like, a better team now. But – I just feel like Wilson isn't really producing. I mean, I mean, not Wilson on Lawrence, and I feel like he's gonna, he's he's gonna be a he's not gonna be a bust per se, but I think he's gonna be like a mediocre uh, NFL quarterback, and I think Wilson is gonna do very very well. People people forget this is only week four of his journey in the NFL, and he's gonna get it together. But I feel like with Lawrence, as long as Urban Meyer is on the team, I don't see further development for him. And you bring up a great point there. And that kind of goes, you know, kind of, you know, talking about Jacksonville, but, you know, kind of switching a topic. Speaking of Urban Meyer, to me, this trade here just further proves that Urban Meyer has no idea what he is doing in Jacksonville. You know, CJ Henderson was a top 10 pick last year from Florida. Arguably the best corner in the draft last season. And, you know, there was lots of rumors in the offseason. Maybe he's on a trade market. Three games into the season, uh, you trade him to the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, you trade C.J. Henderson in a fifth-round pick, which obviously that's going to be like a top-five pick, you know, in the fifth round because they're not going to be a good team because they're 0-3, to the Carolina Panthers for Dan Arnold, a tight end, and a third-round pick. I mean, you look at the Carolina Panthers. I mean, they are just further proving that they're going to be a very, very nice team once J.C. Horn gets healthy, Mm -hmm. C.J. Henderson. I mean, those are two top ten picks in the corners the last two seasons. And you look at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. That's one less player you have on your team for the next, you know, several years who could be a big piece of your team. C.J. Henderson, including this year, potentially has four years on his contract if you would have, you know, the you know team option. But you already trade him away. You know, he's played one year and you're done with him. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has played three games and he's absolutely sucked, but nobody's talked about it. I mean, obviously, you know, Lawrence, but it just does not make sense to me. And Urban Meyer, I mean, he has no idea what he's doing. I mean, taking Travis Etienne, even though James Robinson was phenomenal last year, the most underrated running back in the NFL, in my opinion, not even debatable. I mean, signing Carlos Hyde, really a disgrace, in my opinion, and really a, uh, you know, kick in the face to James Robinson, who was phenomenal. And, I mean, very questionable signings, hirings. I mean, signing Tim Tebow. I mean, mean, you can go on and on and on with Urban Meyer and what he's done with Jacksonville, and not for, you know, not in a good way. 
And, you know, 0-3 right now, I say at the most, at the absolute max, they're going to get three wins. That's honestly maybe even pushing it. And with the USC job open, uh, I, I, the, the hire to me was horrible to begin with at Urban Meyer. I thought it should have been Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady, or even former Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Byron Leftwich. I thought Leftwich made a lot of sense as well. Um, but it was a horrible hire, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if Meyer uh, is only the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars for one year because, I mean, three games in, I don't think anybody expected the Jaguars to be this bad. I mean, it, it's very shocking how bad uh, Meyer's start has been in Jacksonville. Well, I don't think anyone expected to be Jack the Jaguars to be this bad this quickly, because remember in 2016 they made it to the AFC Championship game against the Patriots and they had a core in place, but for some reason it just didn't work out. I mean, they had Jalen Ramsey, uh, that Jack linebacker, uh, but the only thing that was holding them back was a quarterback, which was Blake Bortles and. I feel like they were a long way from that. I mean, yeah, I just feel like the Jaguars are not, you know, they're not serious towards winning. But I have to disagree with you with uh, Urban Meyer. I think he's going to stay there for a couple of years. And then when a more better option comes around, he's going to leave it. And it's, it's interesting with Meyer because I, I just feel like it was just a – horrific hire in the first place. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's had health problems the past mm-hmm. several years, leaving college football. You know, you look at college football, college football is much easier. You, you could head coaches, they'll even say it. college football is much easier to coach than in the NFL. College football, you're you're leading boys into becoming men. You know, exactly. and in the NFL, you're coaching men who, you know, act like to know what they're doing, you know, already have families and kids and stuff like that. And, the, you know, there might even be some players that you're coaching that might even be older than you, depending how young you are. And, you know, they kind of, they act like they might know it all and stuff like that. So when a guy is coaching college football for years, he's had success, has health issues, much, much, much different atmosphere coaching in the NFL. And he even said it, you know, it seems like he's coaching against Alabama every week mm-hmm. when it, it's with the number one pick. I mean, there's so much pressure on him with the golden boy and Trevor Lawrence. I, it, it's just, I, it's interesting and I, I do not see this Jaguars team being good at all. You know, I, I didn't expect them to be good. I mean, maybe four or five wins, competitive, kind of like I mentioned with the Jets. But the fact, you know, that Trevor Lawrence struggles is not being talked about. You know, he he has just been horrible. This, you know, team, you know, their defense hasn't been good. They're trading top 10 picks from last year already, giving up on them, which is really, really shows they have no idea what they're doing. Uh, I, I do not see Urban Meyer, you know, being in Jacksonville for a very long time at all. I feel like a couple of years from now, maybe, maybe if not this at the end of the season, maybe the following year, Meyer's tenure in Jacksonville will already be gone, and this will be looking back a horrible hire, like it was when it, it was when it was first announced. So, in the event if they fire Urban Meyer this season, who do you think should take over? I would feel probably just somebody on their team right now, maybe their offense coordinator or defense coordinator, because, I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to, you know, hire some top guy, you know, in the middle of a season. That just does not really happen. But if, if we're talking about towards the end of the season, um, to me, I feel like Joe Brady. I, I feel uh, Joe Brady, uh, Brian Dayball, the offense coordinator of the Bills, he's been a huge uh, reason for Josh Allen's development the past over years. And I feel like those guys will be up there. I kind of mentioned the enemy. I really like Byron Leftwich. You know, he's he's really helped, you know, this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. You know, he used to play for the Jaguars. I did his connection there. Um, if I had to pick one, probably Brian Dable because he's got the best out of Josh Allen. You know, when Josh, Josh Allen's first season, they were ranked 29th in total offense. Last season, they were top five. And Josh Allen, you know, obviously he was an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Imagine what he can do with Trevor Lawrence, who has – supposedly potentially be one of the best quarterbacks of all time with ETN coming back with James Robinson, DJ Chark, if they re-sign him, I mean, some of these other receivers, uh, I'd probably say Brian Dayball if uh, Meyer were to get fired. I mean, I would have to go with either Brian Leftwich or uh, Eric Benini. I think those two would be the perfect opportunity for them, for the team. I, I don't dislike the enemy. Uh, I am, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of more biased towards Leftwich. Because, like I mentioned, I'm from Huntington, West Virginia, that's where Marshall is. I'm a huge Marshall fan. That's where Leftwich played college at. Mm-hmm. So, any of those guys, honestly, I feel like would be 
a significant upgrade over, um, you know, Urban Meyer being the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, there's there's lots of surprises so far in the NFL. You know, the the Jets struggling worse than people thought. The Jaguars struggling worse than people thought. You know, there, there's teams you would not expect to be 3-0 right now, kind of like the, the Broncos, the Raiders. And, you know, one team who has been surprising in a bad way is Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they are 1-2 right now and last AFC West. Uh, what are your kind of thoughts towards, you know, the Chiefs right now being last in their own division? Well, they're going to get it together. I mean, Mahomes isn't really playing that badly. He's still slinging the ball really well. Their defense is a little bit suspect, however. But they just signed Josh Gordon to a deal, I think, yesterday. And I feel like he's going to help the team out despite his, you know, demons. I just hope he stays there and stays in the NFL. But I wouldn't worry about the Chiefs. I think they're going to do – they're going to get it together. Uh, Mahomes is going to still sling the ball well. And I feel like they're going to win the division. I mean, the Raiders being uh, 3-0 is great, but I feel like they're going to fall off at the end of the year because this is John Gruden we're talking about. And John Gruden has a habit of, you know, choking away leads in, in big games. But going back to the Chiefs, I feel like they're going to they're gonna get it together. I'm not really too worried about them. I'm not really worried about the Chiefs, but I, I am interested in this because you know, uh, I know a couple of guys, you know, who like the Raiders and Chargers and stuff. And we, we kind of talked the AFC West is easily the most underrated division in the NFL. And you mentioned the Raiders, you know, they're three, you know, the Broncos are also three, you know, which is, you know, very, it's one of those stats. They're very, you know, deceiving because, you know, the Broncos are three, you know, but their opponents are 0 and 9. Exactly. Um, you look at the Raiders. I feel like they, it's interesting because the Raiders do this crap every single year. I mean, last year they were five and three. They defeated the Chiefs uh, the first meeting, and they almost beat them their second meeting. They were five yep. and three to start off, and they ended the year, I believe, eight and eight, and they fired the defense coordinator midway through the season, you know, because they were that desperate to try to get a fix, and obviously that did not happen. And um, you know, start off great, and they they suck. It seems like the Raiders do it every single year. The Broncos, I think they have potential to be good, but just you don't know with them because the teams they played have just not been good at all. I mean, you can't get worse than, you know, 0-9 with your opponents. And then you look at the Chargers. So Chargers, to me, I would say are the biggest threat to winning the AFC West uh, against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to pick the the Chiefs, but I I do think it's closer than people think because you look at it this way. The Chiefs are one muffed punt against the Cleveland Browns from being 0-3. You look at the Chargers – a very questionable, you know, sack call against the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, that was bad. Away from 3-0. So you're looking at that standpoint, literally one play from each thing. I mean, we're looking at a 3-0 Chargers team, a 3-0 Broncos, a 3-0 Raiders, to an 0-3 Chiefs team. I feel like the Chiefs, I mean, I don't think it's time to panic yet, obviously, but I do feel like this AFC West division is tougher than people think, and I don't think it's going to be as easy for them to win their division like people think. But ultimately, I still expect them to win the AFC West. But I, I think it'll be pretty close. Uh, but I, I don't think it's time to panic yet for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. But don't be surprised if the Chargers make it extremely close to uh, make it c- close to end up winning the uh, AFC West. What do you think about the Josh Gordon move? It, it's interesting because I mean we have literally seen this. It seems like for years and years and years he'll he'll reinstate and then you know he'll get suspended again. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I, I feel like it might be a little too early type of deal. You know, may, maybe you know, early, uh, you know, Gordon just gets reinstated, and the, the Chiefs are one and two. They're struggling. You know, this is the first time they're last in the division since 2015. Mm-hmm. So they're just looking for that spark. That I, I, I wouldn't call it desperate, but I would say maybe uh, if, if they were three and zero, I don't. I would not expect them to make this move if that makes sense. Since they're you know not playing as good. They try to hurry and sign this, you know, guy in Gordon who has tons of potential, but he's just, you know, haven't unfortunately hasn't played the past several years. Mm-hmm. But if they were three, you know, I wouldn't expect them to make this because this is one of those moves you you don't expect great teams to make. You you would kind of see teams who are kind of you know maybe struggling a little bit, trying to get that you know extra boost uh, since they're struggling to get. I don't love it. I don't hate it. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see him definitely um, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the problem with the Chiefs last year was the offensive line. I mean, the Buccaneers basically exposed it during the Super Bowl. But 
But I feel like the offensive line has been better. But I still get the feeling that Mahomes is still running for his life and throwing, like, no-look passes. See, that's another thing with Mahomes. He likes to showball a lot. And he likes to do no-look passes. And that's not going to fly in the NFL because a lot of people – a lot of players are going to figure that out. And to me, I think he needs to stop doing that because if he keeps doing that, then he's going to cost team – He's got his team many games, and I feel like you know he needs to stop doing that. I, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You can make a case he is the best, but I feel like at times he gets a little too cocky, like you just said. But um, it's interesting with the Chiefs. I fully expect them to end up winning the the AFC West, but I think it's going to be close between them and the LA Chargers. And you know, another surprising you know situation here on Sunday. Uh, was the Rams' you know dominant performance over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You know, I, I wasn't surprised the the Rams won this game because I feel, in my opinion, the Rams were the the biggest threat uh, to the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. But I was surprised at just how you know one sided this game was. You know, looking at the Rams, you know, last season they beat the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football with Jared Goff. The Rams last season won a playoff game against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, against the quarterback, I, I can't even remember his name. I think he was playing in the AF, AAF or whatever that league was called uh, a year or two before that playoff game. And, you know, Jared Goff has thrown for over 4,000 passing yards. You know, the Rams have been to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And Jared Goff, to me, is not even a top 20, 25 quarterback. Then you get Matthew Stafford, who's been the most underrated quarterback for years and years and years. Because he was playing with the Lions, that's why. Exactly. And if he was with the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Patriots, even though he does not even have a playoff win, uh, in my opinion, I think he would be a Hall of Famer to play for one of those three teams the past uh, 12 years or so. He is extremely underrated. And when you have an offensive guru in Sean McVay pairing him with one of the most underrated quarterbacks of our generation in Stafford, I mean, you, you cannot expect them. To, I mean, they're they're going to, I mean, they're going to be phenomenal. Cooper Cuff's been fantastic. Robert Woods has been good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just very surprised at how one-sided this was. To me, I feel like, you know, obviously you got to take the Rams seriously because, I mean, they are phenomenal, but I really did not expect them to play this good. I kind of, you know, expected them to get their best football maybe like week nine, week ten, the midway through to kind of get more familiarity with, you know, Stafford and this offense. But I, I was extremely impressed with the Rams. And honestly, I don't think this really shows anything like, we shouldn't be worried about the Buccaneers reading that, obviously. I just feel like the Rams played a phenomenal game, and the Buccaneers really couldn't do anything about it. I mean, the Rams, I mean, they are for real, and in my opinion, without a doubt, easily the biggest contend, uh, biggest threat to uh, being a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl uh, against the um, opposed to the Timber Bay Buccaneers. Well, I agree. I think the Rams are the Rams are my contender to win the Super Bowl, but. As for the Buccaneers, their defense is really, really uh, insane. I mean, in terms of, you know, their secondary is being, like, tested. So they recently had a meeting with uh, Richard Sherman earlier this morning in an attempt to convince him to join the team. And that was, that's the only Achilles, Achilles heel for the Buccaneers. And I feel that that's the only fault that they have. Um, but – you know, it just feels like the Buccaneers are still the favorites to win the Super Bowl because of Tom Brady. But I just feel like the Rams, uh, if they could beat them in the NFC title game or in the Super Bowl, they're going to beat them. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rams are just phenomenal. I mean, they have two of the top five best defensive players in the league, and obviously Aaron Donald and, you know, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, phenomenal offense, even with. Um, you know, Cam Akers out for the year. I mean, they're able to, you know, have one of the best offenses in the league. This is very interesting. The Rams, in my opinion, you know, heading into the year, um, I had the Rams and the Browns in the Super Bowl, and I had the Rams ended up winning. And I fully expect to see the Rams, you know, in the Super Bowl as of right now. And, you know, the Rams are 3-0. and There's a couple other teams who are uh, 3-0 and as well. The Rams – Cardinals, Panthers, Raiders, and Broncos. Mm-hmm. So who are, who, in your opinion, who is the best 3-0 team and who is the worst 3-0 team? I mean, so, excuse me. Yeah. 3-0. The worst, and- the worst 3-0 team, I have to say, is the Broncos. I mean, as to as you alluded to earlier, the opponents were 0-9. Mm-hmm. 
And unless they beat somebody with a winning record, then I'm not going to take them seriously. The worst 0-3 team, this might be a little bit of a shocker, but I would have to say the Carolina Panthers because nobody expected them to start 3-0. I mean, yeah, it's just what it is. And Sam Darnold is just playing lights out football. But I think the defense is a little bit suspect. Um, I think Sam Darnold is going to revert back to his old ways. And yeah, those those are my three and worst and best. Uh, I I would say the best. I want to keep it, you know, on the Rams. Uh, it's just hard for me to bet against this Rams team, especially at a phenomenal performance against you, know, the defending Super Bowl champs and the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they just overall, you got these these teams: the Rams, the Cardinals, the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. They, without a doubt. Um, have the best defensive player in Donald. They have the second best defensive player in Jalen Ramsey. They're the best quarterback in Stafford. They have the best wide receiver duo, in my opinion, in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Definitely one of the most underrated um, wide receiver duos in the NFL. The worst to me, I would have to agree, the Broncos. I feel like they do have a ton of potential. I've said that for the past couple of years. You could the wide receiver group, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. I mean, uh, Tim Patrick, those are very underrated receivers. They have lots of injuries in the RSU group uh, with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. He was announced that he's out for the year the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have some nice guys on defense as well, like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertain, Kyle Fuller. Like this, this Broncos team, I don't think they're bad. Like, I do think they are a possible playoff contender. But until I see the teams that they've, you know, I, I want to see them play teams who are at least average or, you know, better. Teams like, you know, the 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 Dolphins or the Patriots, if they can beat teams like that, I would respect them much more. And I feel like then I would kind of you know maybe maybe take the the Broncos more seriously once they went against these more you know exactly. better teams in the league. And you know we kind of talked about the best and worst three and O team. So in your opinion, you know going to the O and three teams, the O and three teams are the Jets, Colts, Jaguars, Giants, and Lions. Who is the best O and three team? And who is the worst 0-3 team? Oh, man. They're all so bad, actually. <laughs> but, oh, so I will have to go with the, the best 0-3 team. It might have to be the Lions because the Lions have actually played close games throughout their uh, three-week stretch. Uh, I like what Jared Goff is doing. I mean, remember that game against the 49ers? They literally almost came back. From it, I think I think it was forty-one to thirty-three. As for the worst zero uh, three team, believe it or not, I will have to go with the New York Giants because the Giants are they're pretty much bad. <laughs> Quarterback position, their wide receivers are thinning out. Uh, the defense is eh, it's meh, but I will have to go with the Giants. It, it, it's really interesting because, I mean, you could you could really debate, you know, both of these in the best and worst 0-3 teams. The best 0-3 team, in my opinion, I'm going to have to say the Colts because you look at the Colts. I mean, they they have a playoff roster. Just Carson Wentz has made a glass and he always gets hurt. But, I mean, the Colts, they were my pick to end up winning the AFC South. Like I, I feel like they are capable of winning their own division the fact that they're 0-3 right now. Regardless who the whether it's uh, Carson Wentz or Jacob Eason starting for them, that's just unacceptable. I mean, they, they without a doubt have the best roster of these teams. And even if you put Jacob Eason as a starting quarterback for the Colts, I feel like they would still beat uh, some of these teams who are 0 and 3. The worst 0 and 3 team to me. Um, this is this is. I mean, in my opinion, I, I feel like it's a three way between the Giants, Jets, and Jaguars. I'm going to have to say the Jaguars just, I mean, I did not, I did not expect great things from them, but just playing absolutely horrible against the Houston Texans, bad coaching, trading CJ Henderson away. It's like you, you, I feel like it has to be the Jaguars and the the Jets would be up there just because they're inconsistent offensive line play. And the Giants would definitely be up there because I mean, they, there's no reason the Giants should be 0-3 right now. But with the Jaguars, you didn't expect great things. But, I mean, 
you didn't nobody expected them to be this bad. Like I, I cannot believe how bad the Jaguars are right now, especially Trevor Lawrence. So I would say the Jaguars are the worst 0-3 team. I'd say the best 0-3 team is the Indianapolis Colts. Good. That's, those are good choices. So, um, you know, question here. Let's see here. What do you think Wyatt will kind of sign? Kind of talked about this earlier. Um, if he doesn't show up at Dynamite this week, in my opinion, I think there's a strong possibility he will end up signing with WWE. But if I had to pick... I think he goes to AEW. Same here. I think he goes to AEW. I think he's going to thrive down there, actually, because there's, like, so many creative freedom in there. And, yeah, I think he's going to go to AEW. Uh, he's going to be a lot happier down there. And I hope for none for the best if he goes to AEW. It's interesting. I mean, you bring up the creative freedom part. I mean, we've seen that before with some of these wrestlers, things that will not really fly in today's WWE. You know, uh, Malachi Black, for example. I mean, he it was kind of similar to what he was at A-Lester Black. And, but you just look at the creative freedom in AEW. I feel that like that's a, a big reason why some of these guys leave uh, WWE to go to AEW. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he's going to actually make a big impact tomorrow night. I don't know who's going to attack. I mean, who knows? He might join either the Dark Order or join uh, Malachi Black. It, it It's interesting with the Dark Order, you know, with it. I feel like, you know, the Dark Order teasing and splitting up the past month or so might have to do with Bray Wyatt, uh, you know, debuting tomorrow. I think I feel like that does make quite a bit of sense. And especially, you know, with I, I don't even know if his contract it's up yet or not, but um, I feel like, you know, with them teasing the Dark Order, maybe they have Bray Wyatt come out, and, you know, with that being in Rochester, you know, uh, that's where Brody Lee was from, uh, maybe that, that does make sense. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way where he goes. It's just so interesting because there, there's none of the fin of, you know, he's going to AW or he's going to WWE, and I know it's still earlier, but this is what just makes it so interesting with this signing compared to others. This, you know, with others, it was kind of lopsided. You know, they'll go to AW, but then you look at the the fact that Alexa Bliss is still kind of in that fiendish type character she was for the past year with Bray Wyatt. It's very interesting. Cannot wait uh, for tomorrow night's episode. And I have one uh, final, you know, kind of quick question here. Okay. You know, kind of about the NFL, you know, switching, going back to the NFL. Right now, who would you say is the best team in the NFL is and why? Oh, no, that has to be the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I mean, defense is playing well. Offense is, like, firing on cylinders. And I would to go with the Rams. The Rams are just – I think they're my favorites to win the Super Bowl right now. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree. The Rams really, you know, even the people who thought they were going to be good, like myself, you know, Sunday – had the potential to beat the Buccaneers. They obliterate them. Lobsided one against the defending champs and Tom Brady. I mean, the Rams right now, I, you know, obviously you expect them to be good. I don't think anybody really expected them to be this good this early. I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, towards – you look at some of these teams, for example, you look at the Seahawks. Last season they were phenomenal. Russell Wilson was the MVP candidate, but their defense sucks. The second half yep. of the season, yep. Russell Wilson sucked. And their defense was phenomenal, but Wilson sucked. I mean, they they had the one first half that was phenomenal. Second half, they they were just bad. The fact that this is Matthew Stafford's first, third game with the LA Rams, and they're I mean blowing out the defending champs and the Buccaneers. I mean, this even first proves even more the Rams are serious and they're the biggest threats to win the Super Bowl. Uh, that is not the Buccaneers. It's going to be very interesting this week. You know. With some of the matchups, you know, obviously there's Brady against the uh, Patriots. You know, we talked about Lawrence. Lawrence, it'll be interesting to see how many picks he throws against the Bengals. I want to say two. Uh, you know, Dynamite tomorrow. I would say there's a strong p- chance we see, you know, Bray Wyatt in a AEW, AEW TV tomorrow. You know, this is, we've talked about so much. I mean, where's Bray Wyatt going to go? Uh, you know, your awesome experience at AEW Grand Slam, Zach mm-hmm. Wilson struggles. Trevor Lawrence struggles. CJ Henderson being traded to the Carolina Panthers. The Chiefs last place in the AFC West. The Rams dominant victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The best and worst 3-0 team. 
the best and worst 0 and 3 team and the best team in the NFL right now. We both agreed in the Tam- uh, excuse me, we both agreed in the LA Rams. So uh, can you can you kind of tell some of the listeners who can follow you on social media? You can follow me on Instagram at Kenny the Sports Guy. Again on Instagram at Kenny the Sports Guy, and on Twitter at Kenny underscore Sports. Again on Twitter at Kenny underscore Sports. Definitely put that in the description uh, below. Thank you all so much for watching. Uh, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel. Uh, make sure to you know follow me, the Sports Two Hind Show, on Instagram and Twitter. Once again, thank you all so much for watching. I'll see you all next time on the Sports Two Hind Show. <laughs>